I'm Robin Crane, and this is the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. Listen, I was a financial advisor for over a decade, and I got so sick of the old archaic strategies that your grandpa used to get clients. What the industry teaches today is still so outdated and just doesn't work anymore. So I had to find a better way for myself, and then I got obsessed with sharing these how-tos with other women like me. The stuff I teach doesn't require giving up your life, your sanity, or your family time. I want women like you to have it easier than I had it, so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. Welcome, welcome. I am here with Alex Catoni. And let me tell you about this woman. She is, she just got voted the number one marketer of the year at this TNC conference, which is traffic and conversion which I'm assuming as a female financial advisor, you know nothing about, except I will say it's a huge deal. I know the last time I was there, there were at least 4,000 people there. Alex, how many people were there this last time? Yeah, I would say around that, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. But this is run by like huge, huge company. Like it started with digital marketer, scalable now. I mean, they have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers, if not millions. And it wasn't just people at the conference who got to vote for this. Um, and Alex got voted number one. And I will tell you, if you start to look at her Instagram, you start to follow her on mostly Instagram, she's really killing it. But I know you have other channels. Um, are you doing TikTok? A little bit, right? TikTok, LinkedIn, YouTube. LinkedIn, YouTube. Uh, YouTube, she like really has a story about how she killed it on YouTube. But her company is called Copy Posse and she's the founder of Copy Posse. They have over 300,000 um, in the community and um, she helps people learn how to really write compelling copy in an untraditional way. So I love her stuff. She's awesome. And she's super fun to hang out with. And we're in the same, I'm actually in her mastermind called Flight Club and it's phenomenal. So awesome to have you here, girl. Thank you. I'm super stoked to be here. I recently, like a friend of mine who we've been like really close friends for probably, I don't know, 25 years. And recently I left her a message. And I'm like, call me back girl. And like everything now she was like, Hey girl, girl, girl. And I'm like, I guess like in my older age, I now say girl a lot because she did not think that was normal for me. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I also like say, I love you a lot to all my friends and my clients, but like, <laughs> I, I used to too. be a little tamer. I don't know, but now I can just, you know, say girl and only be chastised by, by old best friends. So anyway, so we, we <laughs> might want to get into storytelling, but I'd love to hear, start with a story um, and tell mm -hmm. us how you really took YouTube um, to big numbers and how you did that. Because that, I think that's, you got a good story behind there. And then um, wherever it, just a little bit about you and, and how you got to be such an awesome marketer. Cause you weren't like rolling in it, you basically worked for other companies and then you turned it all around, which most people don't do. Yeah. First of all, thank you. Thank you for that awesome intro. I'm excited to hang out. Yeah. So yeah, I got into the marketing world over a decade ago. I feel like I've been saying that for now a few years. So it's definitely over a decade ago. It's yeah. actually 14 years ago. Uh, when I accepted an internship at a company called Mind Valley. At the time, it was a startup. Now it's one of the world's leading publishers of personal, uh, personal growth programs online. Uh, so I started as an intern. That's when I fell in love with all things marketing uh, and marketing with a brand focus. So I, you know, direct response marketing obviously is, is uh, a marketing, you know, strategy, but I sort of entered this world where direct response marketing coupled with brand storytelling and working for a brand like Mind Valley was so exciting. And so 
I started as an intern at the company expecting to, to spend six months there, ended up spending three and a half years there, left as the creative director and the event director at AFAF, which is their big um, global uh, conference event that they do every year. And then for eight years, I hid absolutely behind the scenes working for businesses and was consulting and freelance copywriting. And I say I hid because looking back, I'm like, why? And if anyone relates to this, like, why did I wait eight freaking years to put anything online? Like I, I was terrified of putting myself out there. I liked that I had just a handful of clients who paid me well. My, I had a personal Instagram that was private. Uh, and then I, and then I had flight club with Glenn, which was such an amazing blessing because I like literally was just, I don't say just a freelancer because that's obviously still an excellent career path for a lot of people, but I, I was very much behind the scenes. And then I, I kind of got jaded by the whole marketing industry. If I'm being honest, it was 2019 and I had been doing this now for eight years, uh, and just kind of had this moment of, is this really what I want to do? Am I impacting people? I, I sort of felt like I was just sort of selling other people's stuff and you know how it is. And so I started my YouTube channel because I had a lot to say about the industry and how it was getting a bad rap and how oftentimes when people hear the word copywriter, they think guy, you know, in his basement writing scammy emails to, you know, to take people's money. And I remember I was at a party one time and a guy came up to me. He's like, so what do you do? You know, and I said, I'm a copywriter. He's like, oh, you're the one that sends me all those scammy emails. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Every single brand and business on the planet needs messaging and needs to make an impact and needs to convey their message and sell their products and services and, you know, businesses that have amazing products and services that genuinely help people. And so I kind of got fired up about, about all of that and, and started my YouTube channel. And that was just the start of sort of the, the journey of its growth. I think, I think what's cool looking back is the fact that I started my YouTube channel in 2019, which... At the time, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's too late to build an audience. It's too late to grow on Instagram or it's too late to grow on YouTube. The heyday is over. You know, we just got to wait for the new, the new thing to come out. And then maybe if we hop on that bandwagon early enough, then we can grow an audience. And I just kind of went at it with a really unique approach, told stories about my experience as a copywriter and what it meant. And my channel kind of took off. And now I have, I don't know, 220 some odd thousand um, subscribers on YouTube. How often were you doing videos like, or posting videos? Once a week. Once a week. See, yeah. I, I always wonder because people say, you know, and then it w- just took off. Like, it, like you did nothing, you know? And I, I, I really <laughs> doubt that was yeah. true. So you had like right. eight years of this built up like voice that like you wanted to let out. And then finally mm-hmm. you found a channel to do that. And you started letting it out. But even once a week is not that, much, but I guess for YouTube, that's pretty consistent. Were you doing anything to actually get people there? Like, were you, I mean, you knew how to write copies, so you probably knew how to write some compelling titles and whatnot, but what were you doing to actually grow it intentionally versus like, I'm calling you on the, Oh, and it just took off. Like all it, cause right. like, I swear to you, if I do once a week videos and I'm pretty good at it, like, I don't think it's just going to take off. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of other shit I need to do in order to make it take off. So what else did right. you do? So it's funny because it really does feel like it just took off. It's like one day the YouTube algorithm just like decided to bless me with, you know, with one video that really popped. And I wish I could reverse engineer it and say, this is exactly why. But what I think, and again, 
it's like everyone tries to decode the algorithms, right? Like, what mm. does it mean? How are we trying to game the system? For me, I think it was a mix of a few different things. One, I really leaned into the fact that I didn't look and sound like most of the people who were teaching copywriting on the internet, which were mostly like white men um, and had a kind of unique approach. So I made that sort of really clear. And I think I spoke to an audience who was craving a new perspective. You know, because if you were looking to learn copywriting before that, there were a few creators who were talking about freelance writing and blogging and things like that. But there weren't a lot of women talking about copywriting. Um, but, you know, in the beginning, it it was a bit of a labor of love. So it took me because I didn't have an audience to leverage. And so this is kind of the true like starting from scratch. I remember I posted my first YouTube video and I got. I think it was something like a hundred subscribers. Cause I was like, you know, sharing it with all my friends and family. And I was like a hundred subscribers. Oh my gosh. Like in no time, I'm going to be like blown up. If I get a hundred subscribers with every, video. every day, but then, but then there's like the friends and family effect where like, once your friends kind of cash in on the, on the, on the subscribe and they leave a nice comment, like they're not going to do it for every video. They're not going to like shout your name from the rooftops. And so it got, it got to the point where I almost gave up because I was creating a high quality video every single week for six months. And I hadn't reached where I had just reached a thousand subscribers around the six month mark. And I remember that day I was like, Oh my gosh, yes, I'm in the four figures with my, with my subscribers. Uh, and then I just sort of kept at it, you know, and, and again, it, it, I think to a lot of people, it does look like, oh, I came out of nowhere. It happened overnight. But when you're in the trenches doing content every single week, you know, it took me, it took me six months to get to a thousand subscribers. And then it took me another four or five months to get monetized, which meant I could show ads and actually earn a dollar from YouTube. And I think I got my first like $800 check from YouTube. And I'm like, I'm rich <laughs> after 10 months of doing it, you know, right. and then, uh, and then, and then videos sort of naturally organically started getting more views. And so I think part of it was, okay, having a new, unique voice in the beginning, I did really focus on, you know, SEO keywords. So while I don't think that the SEO keyword strategy, um, is the greatest strategy long-term because let's be honest, like it's boring. Like if I want to do a video on marketing and the keyword is like marketing tips, you can't put marketing tips into like every single video title. It just not, it doesn't sound interesting, but in the beginning when you're really just trying to like get that rocket out of earth's atmosphere, so to speak, I did kind of use more of the SEO approach and targeted words that had a high search volume and tried to kind of get, get, growth that way. Mm -hmm. And then once I had a little bit of a base audience who were following me consistently, that's when I was like, okay, now I'm just going to talk about exciting stuff. I almost said the S word. <laughs> See, I can't try self sometimes. Amazing. Exciting stuff. Exciting I'll say it for you. That I, yeah. <laughs> exciting shit that, uh, that nice. I really wanted to talk about it because I knew that if I was excited by it, that my audience would be excited by it. And then once you got that audience watching, then it kind of gave it a little bit of that fuel that it needs to, to keep on going. And so I would say to anybody who's looking to start a YouTube channel, like focus on the SEO and there's tools out there like TubeBuddy, VidIQ, like there's a ton of different 
YouTube keyword type of tools, which will show you search volume. Uh, it's a, it's a little bit boring. Cause you're like, if I have to talk about copywriting tips for beginners, like one more time, but that was what I did in the beginning. And then I started chatting about just the stuff that I found really interesting and, and awesome. didn't worry so much about viewership. Well, I think a lot of the listeners, like they're going to say, well, I have compliance. I'm not going to start a YouTube channel. Like it's too much of a pain in the butt to do that. But what I like about it and the reason I want you to talk about it is because I think there's so many lessons to learn from that. Like one, it's never too late. Like you can start with anything and that could be whatever social media you're allowed to do. Like LinkedIn is so saturated right now. People can say, oh, it's too late. And I actually was doing LinkedIn for, I mean, gosh, the last seven years and making you know a lot of money sometimes, a decent amount of money sometimes, but always making money. And we just stopped doing it like six months ago. And I'm looking at this year going like, Maybe that's the discrepancy in my revenue that I stopped doing that just because there was right. kind of got complicated and it kind of seemed like it wasn't as good of an ROI. And I'm, I'm just kind of like, oh, I don't really want to deal with that. And it's too much, too many things on my plate, you know, whatever. And so took it off and it is saturated. It is insane. Nobody wants to look at it, except it still makes money. So it's like, don't <laughs> give up on the things that can make you money. I see. So I think that's huge. It's never too late to start. Um, I also think, like you said, you know, you had a very unique approach and a new voice. And this is what I really think is the, like, I actually, I'm going to reveal this right now, which is kind of scary, but um, I, I've been thinking about writing a new book. Actually, since I went to flight club and my husband spoke on your stage, he motivated, my husband motivated me by being a <laughs> keynote speaker on your stage to write another book. And I'm like, I'm only around him every single day, but it's been like, I don't know, maybe four or five years since I've written a book, which is crazy. Um, and I've been thinking about different names for the book. And then all of a sudden yesterday, I was actually really grumpy. I was in a bad mood and, and Trevor kind of gave me a timeout. He's like, do you need to go in the other room and take a moment? And I was like, yeah, I do. Thank you. And so I went in the other room and I was like, like, can you know, I? Excellent. I was like, can I? Like, cause you know, the kids were driving me nuts. They weren't listening. He was still working and half with us. And, and I was just like, nah, nah, nah. and they were being so grumpy. And so, you know, that gave me an excuse. Needless to say during my timeout, I just started like on my phone and all of a sudden I had this idea about the book. Cause I've been thinking like, you know, with this, this podcast called growing your financial business, the woman's way. I'm like, is it something a woman's way? And someone recently told me who's like an intuitive that it's going to be like a big success. Like this new book, it might be on like New York times or wall street. Like I would like to think that she's right, but who knows Yeah. anyway. And so I'm kind of thinking like, I want it more universal than just targeting female financial advisors. It's kind of a long story that might be irrelevant, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, and um, and I was thinking, like, I've been thinking so much about this movement. And the ladies, those of you who are watching, I doubt you're seeing the whole gallery, but we actually have a lot of the ladies in our high level program, our FEM program right now listening in. Um, and uh, they know all about my mission. Like, we're here to increase the footprint of women in the industry. But it's not just like we've been talking about having women be more successful in the industry. But it's not just that. It's like, I want to start getting women all around, like you, Alex, and all the women who've been on my podcast who are not financial advisors to raise their hand and be like, I want to work with a female financial advisor. Anyway, so I had this idea for the book um, and I have to research because I don't, apparently, I don't know if I know the whole meaning of this, but you know, they have these t-shirts. They say the future is female. Mm -hmm. So I have this idea that the new book could be called like the financial in parentheses future is female. And I'm thinking that it's a book for both women who want to create 
excuse me, who want to create wealth, but with the help and support of female financial advisors. And this will help this movement of both sides where we can have women be more successful in the financial industry and not just work with these, not just have it be the old white men. And that's why I was thinking about it because you're talking about being yeah. in this industry where the only one speaking or the people speaking were like these old white dudes. And this is the industry right now. And I'm, I'm saying like, we need to completely shift the industry have more women in the industry so that women like you, the women who want to be wealthy, who are wealthy, get to talk to a woman who's more nurturing and supportive as opposed to just a dude that often just goes over the numbers. So I think mm-hmm. like in your industry, we need more women in this industry. We need more, more women and the future is female. And I say, if we're going to go with this title, we may or may not, but TM, um, the financial future is female. So I'm going to work with that. But I, I love you that. Said, <laughs> I think it's so true. It's like, you had a unique approach. You had a, you had a new voice that people were like, kind of like thirsty for. And I think that's happening for women in the industry right now, which is why I want them to not just be like the men and go, you know, whether it's door knocking, cold calling this old, you know, fact finders script. That's just like, where are the numbers? Let me show you the numbers, whatever, and be women. And you were authentic in your voice. You just spoke what you wanted to speak about, but you also mm-hmm. did it intentionally. And then you had an audience who were craving your new perspective. And I think we women, female financial advisors have an audience like women who are successful, who don't know who to turn to when it comes to building their wealth, who are craving this new perspective and then consistency. Like that's the biggest thing is like you did it and you didn't give up after six months, then 10 months of not necessarily being successful. And every single week, no matter how many followers, no matter how many subscribers, no matter probably how many negative comments and people telling you, you suck, you kept going. And I bet Mm -hmm. you, if we all looked back to Alex's videos, there's for every positive comment, there's, you know, maybe for every 10 or 20 or 30, there's got to be one negative comment and to have so few, yeah, at least. Right. So to have all these subscribers and then like, okay, I'm trying to, I'm starting to get traction, but it's not really significant to keep going, knowing that also you have the haters is admirable. And this is what I think the women listening need to take from this. It's not about a YouTube channel. It's about having a voice being consistent, using your voice as you're like within the realm of you feeling like you're being your authentic self so you can change the freaking world. Okay. I had to yes, go up on that tangent. I love that rant. I'm here for it. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely right. And I think too, something that I think a lot about is it's easy to look at other people in whatever niche finance or in my case, marketing and go, Oh, in order to be successful, I need to have a big audience. But when you offer, you know, really, really intimate one-on-one type of services, you don't need to, to be this, like necessarily this content generation machine looking to grow a big audience. You need to have targeted real conversations. You need to share your perspective and then you just need the right, the right clients. And so I talk to my students a lot about this who are, you know, marketers and copywriters and Sometimes it's easy to think the only path is, oh, well, I guess I just got to create content and then pretend I'm an expert at this and, and be, um, and be, you know, grow an audience and then promote programs and things like that. And that's one way to do it. Um, but another way is to just go, you know what, figure out what's in alignment for you and how do you want to get in front of the right customers? Because, you know, there, there'll be people out there that are like, 
and I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of short form video content and it's a strategy, but like, I'm not going to tell someone who's like, I really don't want to do that in my business. I'm not going to say, well, you have to do it. You know, I think there's an avenue for, for everyone and it has to feel an alignment and it has to feel like something you could keep going and be consistent at, even when those numbers don't show up right away. Yeah, that's awesome. And we talk a lot about alignment too, because so many women, um, don't feel like I know this one woman at this one company and that I'm not going to mention who doesn't feel in alignment with the company. And she had this revelation just recently that, Oh my God, I cannot stay here. I got to leave because I am not in alignment with what they believe. Right. And so, and that's the thing. And it's not necessarily about jumping ship and all the time, but it's like, and, and actually she's being really intentional with it, you know, not going to leave the second, but now knows, okay, I'm going to take six, seven months before I leave, but I'm going to do it and create the results that I want and create the life that mm-hmm. I want and create the path that I want, because right now it's not feeling like it's in alignment, you know? And she's like, the one thing mm-hmm. I know is that it's, it's not a long-term solution, right? Um, not that anyone here is listening to that, but you know, I didn't share any names or anything, but she's, if you guys were watching the screen, she's on it. Um, anyway, so one thing <laughs> you just said, um, those of you who can't see it are like, I'm so curious. Um, so one thing you said, I, I, I think again, is really huge and interesting that you focused on, well, like a lot of these copywriters think the path is to create a lot of content and get a lot of followers because it's very much the opposite of female financial professionals, right? They actually don't feel like they can do that because there's compliance and it's a headache, too much work and all this stuff. And usually they do the opposite. Like, let's say there's a continuum here and like, okay, I got to create all this content and be out there and get all these followers. Well, the opposite is like, I don't need any followers, nor do I have that option because of um, compliance. And I, they never even think about creating content because they just buy some $400 a month thing that's blanketed content about the market. And they're like, oh yeah, I'll send that every week or every month on my email. And it sucks. It's dumb. It's, I said, it's dumb. That's right. I said, it's dumb. So I'm sorry. I'm not saying you're dumb if you're doing it, (laughs) but like, I mean, come on, nobody really wants, like if you were in this high end client for one of these ladies, like you want to get like just the marketing commentary that has nothing to do with their life and what's going on, what they believe. It's just marketing commentary, you know? What I would actually care more about is who they are as a person. Like, honestly, I would want to know oh my gosh, look, they love to travel too. I want to ask them questions about how they manage their finances around travel. Oh, look, they have kids or they, they like, I think for, for, and I say this all the time. It's like, again, there's this idea of content creation. It doesn't necessarily mean, um, yeah, like the, like the, the vanilla generic, I have to be safe. So I'm just going to put out content because I feel like I had to put out content. And I, and again, I say this to my copywriters as well. It's like people want to hire copywriters because they like them as a person, not because they shared a post about the four tips about X, Y, Z. And so how can you just let your real personality shine through and build relationships in that really organic way? Yeah. I love that. I love that. And so I think they need to come on the spectrum of like, yeah, you need to create more content. You need to create more content. And just because you have to submit it to compliance does not mean it's not compliant. Like you said, you talking about traveling and the importance of thinking about the money ahead of time and whether this is a short-term thing or a long-term thing and how you're going to save for it or whether you should invest for it, all that stuff, they can make it relevant and think about what's the lesson here that I can actually teach. And that uniqueness is going to allow you to attract the right people. So you said, share your perspective. You said, get the right clients and then alignment 
um, make sure your line may have the alignment for you. So I think those are all really, really good lessons to take home. But I do think like it is the opposite. Like they need to put themselves out there more. They need to start ha- using their voice and um, and building a brand. You talked a bit, actually talk a little bit more about the brand because I think this is also really missing with financial advisors. They hide a little bit in the shadows of many men who are in their office and they think they don't need a brand nor that have they been taught to have a brand, nor have they been taught anything about messaging and, and really marketing for that matter. They call it prospecting. Mm-hmm. So they don't really know what they're doing. But um, what, what would you say as far as like the brand side, how to build that brand and start to get noticed, you know, for who you are, as opposed to just for what you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a great question. I honestly think that brand and, and like creating a brand is, is the future of marketing. And I don't necessarily mean a brand, like a brand with a logo that like, that's not yourself. It could be a personal brand. But right now, more than ever, the market is getting smarter and smarter. And I would say that's probably even more true for the clients that you serve because of the level of people who seek you know, support from a financial advisor. And so the market is getting smarter and smarter, but they're also putting their money where their values are. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I know for me in the last couple of years, I spend a lot of time thinking about who I'm going to support. I spend a lot of time thinking about who are the coaches I want to work with? Who's the team that I want to have in my life, in my finances, in my business? Who who are the businesses locally that I want to support or the female-owned businesses? Like I'm thinking of what are my values and then I'm putting my money where my values are. And I'm not the only one doing that. That is becoming more and more important, which is why I think sort of this old school direct response marketing, uh, similar to what you're talking about, like the prospecting where it's just like, okay, I put out this many, um, you know, messages that I spend this much time doing or spent this much money trying to get these leads. And then I had this many calls and then I did this and I did this, I did this. And then if they don't turn into a customer in the first week, then, you know, move on. They're dead to me. What I am noticing in, in, in my business is that 56% of my customers purchase from me after 60 days for their first time. And they are interacting with my brand on a lot of different levels before they ever purchase. And this is for a small, like maybe a hundred dollar type of thing. This isn't like a big investment in terms of working with a financial um, planner. And so I think it's easy to not similar to your point before Robin about, well, I stopped doing LinkedIn because it, I don't know, it was a lot of work and I, I just felt like it wasn't really making an impact, but it might've been making more of an impact than you thought because you were staying top of mind and maybe customers were coming and finding you 60, 90, 120 days after they first saw an initial post from you and we're, we're kind of secretly watching you behind the scenes, not in a creepy stalker way, but we do that. We like to lurk. We like to lurk. We like to see who people are before we decide that we're going to give them our money. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely. And I have so many clients that tell me, you know, oh, I was following you for some time or whatever. And, you know, so you're really following you kind of thing. And, and, um, people 
are a little skeptical now, especially that's what I'm saying with the LinkedIn thing. It's like they're skeptical and that's why just the, the you're saying direct, direct response. They're not really used to that term, but direct response is basically like you send a message and you expect a direct response. Like, and it's usually like the call to action is, okay, get on account, get on my calendar or something like that for financial advisors. And it's like, there's not a lot of foreplay and we're kind of missing that right. now. And, um, but then they're, they're doing the back, you know, the, the, I guess the background checks on their own of where you don't even necessarily know, although if you got pixels, you might be better about it, but where they're like, okay, they're checking out your, they're not just saying like, oh, am I going to respond to this person on LinkedIn? They want to go see like, oh, Mm -hmm. what's this person doing on social media? What's this person doing on their website? If they're going to have a call. So they do all that background stuff. I mean, I realized that like with some of the ladies who I actually have been teaching a LinkedIn strategy around sending some messages and then sometimes it's not working. And so these ladies come on these calls and they're like, I don't understand, you know, I'm sending all these messages and oftentimes it's not enough volume and they're completely delusional about how much they think people are going to respond. I sent a hundred messages out. I didn't get three clients. You're like, wait a second. Um, but, (laughs) but oftentimes I'm like, okay, either it's your it's the volume or it's the message or it's your profile or whatever's out on the internet, because you can say all the best messaging on your LinkedIn message and you can even have enough volume. But if they go back and they look at your profile and it's basically saying like, I'm a nurse, you know, and you're like a financial advisor, and they're like, well, are you a nurse? Or are you a financial advisor? Like, which is it? Then it's a little bit less compelling, you know? So you got to have, yeah. you also have to be congruent with that. Cool. Yeah. Well, and give me one. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's all planting seeds. Like every conversation, you know, like I see Brenda just said, I talked Robin on social for six months before a call. Exactly. And I can't tell you how much that happens in my business. And that's why when I say brand, again, it's like, it's like, changing the, the, the paradigm of like a brand equals these big corporations with the logo and the letter have like, no, I'm talking about having a, a presence and having, having a voice and having a perspective that's unique that people relate to. And I know for a fact that when I like do a launch, for example, my community, like they're all messaging each other, people who don't, know me or messaging my former students asking about me like this is what's happening now because all of this information is is available right it doesn't it's not very hard to go find former clients of someone that you've worked with and people will do and take the time to go do that digging and so you want to make sure that whatever you know your brand is that you're really reflecting that out through all of the different touch points and conversations you have because while that one person might not turn into a customer they might go, oh, you know what? I'm not looking for a financial advisor now, but I really love this this woman's content. And you're looking for a financial planner. Okay, you should go. T- you should go talk to her. You know, and it's just being really mindful of that, like planting of the seeds. And I will say, like some of I had Mary Lyons on a, a podcast not too long ago, and she she's known as a wealth woman, and she's doing awesome in a very unconventional way. For one, she's a woman. And two, like she's on podcasts all the time. Like she totally is owning this brand. She's speaking her mind. And those are the women that are, you know, or people in general in the, in the industry that are starting to stand out and get recognized. It's like, you got to play the game like the rest of the world. It's unfortunately the industry is still in this old archaic model and forgot to pay attention that there's something called social media, but everybody else in the world knows there's something called social media. And we need to like push the envelope and be the people in the industry to be like, Hey, you know, no, it's like, this is not 
um, you know, out of compliance for me to post a video about vacationing with my family and how I'm going to spend the money, you know, and how we're going to do that. And it's so some companies don't even let you do a video, like, cause they don't want to fuss with God forbid, they have to actually watch the video and say whether or not it's compliant, you know, and it's just ridiculously right. archaic. And I'm, I'm doing a call out as far as like those of you women who have a strict compliance or you, you aren't able to share your voice, then get the F out. Like, you, you have legs, walk, you know, you don't have to stay where you are because the only way that we're going to get compliance to not be so crazy with like the ceiling of what we're allowed to say and what we're not is if we keep pushing the envelope so that we yeah. can have a voice and, and, and say what we want to say. I'm not saying go guarantee 10% a year, every single year. I'm not saying anything of the sort. And in fact, I'm saying, don't even say those things because other people are talking about returns when you should be talking about your family. But right. like, you can't just say, okay, well, they say I can't do that stuff. So I guess I'm just not going to do it. Like you have to be the person yeah. that stands out to make it happen. Go ahead. Yeah. I actually have a quote that I want to share. Uh, and this really changed my paradigm around this because I think, especially for women, you know, everyone's talking about like, F the patriarchy, burn it down. And, and, and it's like, yes. And I think sometimes that that puts this, like this idea in our head that we have to push, 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 push to change you know, the people in our lives. So let's say I'm not a financial planner, but let's say I'm working with a, with a financial firm. planner company firm. Okay. There we yes. go. Um, and there's these strict compliance. Um, you know, I, there's this quote by Cindy Gallup, uh, who's just an incredible force. And she said something along the lines of the goal isn't to convince everybody to change because that might be impossible. Like our goal as women rising in this space and whatever your field is, the we might not be able to change the minds of those people around us and and change the system. In fact, I think it would be really hard to change the system of white men teaching white men about other white men. Like that's a hard system to break. So what if instead you invent outside the system and create something that makes that system go, oh shit, I think we missed something. We need to do it like that. And that has become the whole foundation of me building my brand. Which I think is actually happening with our community. You know, we have women come into the community and they're, let's say in an office full of men and I teach them this other system, other way to do it. And at first they get chastised or shunned for it. Like, oh, that's not going to work. Oh, yeah. did, uh, you're not going to hit your numbers like that. Right, Lisa? And then it's like, they go do it. And then guess what happens? They go, wait, can you show us how to do that? How'd you do that? <laughs> you know, it's like, exactly. like, yeah, you didn't want to know back then. And um, even with like my vision, like I'm looking at now possibly owning my own firm and bringing women on there like we're gonna have our own women only firm and like well if we can do this at one broker dealer this is my new vision and how i see it like and have thousands of women and have 50 percent at one firm even if it, there's only four or five thousand advisors which is still a lot everyone else is going to be like, how did they do that? Because even the patriarchy, even the men who are, you know, they're going their old ways, like many, many, many of them actually see that the future is female and that we need to actually bring more women in the industry. And they want to help support that. Yep. And, mm -hmm. you know, Ron Carson is a good example of that. He was the second person on my podcast. Like he's all about helping women and minorities. 
it's, but even he, an old white dude, like doesn't know how to change the system, but he wants to support it. And so there are many, many, many men out there who want to support women. It's just, they actually don't really know how. So we have to kind of show them like, this is how it's done. And those of you want to support us, here's how to support us. But we have to be the, we have to be the pioneers, pioneerists, I don't know if there's a female version of pioneer um, to be able to do this. So this got into a a heated, heated discussion here, but um, (laughs) let's leave them hanging here and tell them where to find you. Cause there's, I mean, we could talk for probably three hours. Um, and tell them where to find you, where to follow you. Cause even if you're not a copywriter, which I know you're not, you should learn how to write copy. It will transform your business. And if you learn some tips that Alex teaches, it's a lot of mindset stuff as well. That's included in there. It'll just start to shape your brand and start to shape who you are and see where you have a place in this world, as far as, as your, as a financial advisor and attract the right people. So tell them where to find you, Alex. Yeah. Awesome. You can find me on Instagram at copy posse, uh, or copyposse.com. And then I'm also on YouTube just as my name, Alex Catoni. Awesome. And she's all over Google. You can Google it. Okay. Thanks so much for joining us. And those of you who are here again, we'll see you next time on growing your financial business, the woman's way. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.